Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now we've already touched that. People using the name of Christ to predict in His name His return, and we've seen an abundance of that, even recent evidence of that. The effect of that in terms of deceiving the people is that it'll dull their senses and dumb them down so that they do not expect the return of the Lord. And they will say like others, oh, we've always heard the Lord was coming, but He hasn't come yet. So as if to say, He won't ever come. Those are just empty words. These people who who prophesy uh, the return of the Lord do a disservice. We will know the day, but like Noah, he knew the day seven days ahead. It is highly unlikely we'll be told what the day is in enough time to get on television and prophesy about it or write a book about it and make money from it. But we will know the day. He tells us what to look for in terms of the signs. And you know, we'll know the day because the bride will agree with the Spirit as to when the work of preparing God's inheritance in the earth is complete. The bride and the Spirit will say to the Lord, Come. And what does he say then? Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Matthew 24 is followed by Matthew 25, which speaks of, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. Those who were wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps, and while the bridegroom slept, or while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight a cry was made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went away to buy, the bridegroom came, those who were ready went in unto the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward, the five foolish virgins came also, saying, Open to us. And the Lord said, I I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Now, again, this parable operates on two levels, both to describe what happened when the kingdom first appeared on the day of Pentecost uh, and subsequently in those who were left out, uh, and what will happen at the end of the age when people grow weary and do not pursue becoming mature, having no oil in their vessels with their lamps not walking by the light of the Spirit of God that brings revelation and enlightenment, but instead their lamps go out in the darkness of human error and human and the conceptions of the human mind. So there's much deception 
perpetrated in the name of Christ by those who prophesy without revelation and insight the return of the Lord. And we ought to brand those people as to who they are and stop listening to them unless they publicly repent and repent as publicly as they sinned, sinned against the body. But reliable references are, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. I don't have time to make comment on that. Um, It somewhat speaks for itself, but there's more depth there. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For ethnos will arise against ethnos. That's what is meant by nation will arise against nation. This is not speaking of geographic nations in conflict with each other. This is speaking about nations with internal conflicts among people groups within that nation. This is about race war, racial conflict at the end of the age. Now imagine certain ones have been trying to incite race, racial conflicts and yet claiming to be agents of God. How profound is that deception? Because it it is consistent with the Spirit that opposes Christ. It's a distraction. But nevertheless, when you see racial conflicts, when you see social disturbances based upon racial conflict, understand that that is an uncontrovertible evidence of the return of the times of the end of the age. But listen, people will say, there have always been racial conflicts, so why is that an end of the age? Well, hang on, I'll get to that. Just like they will say, there have always been famines and earthquakes and the roaring and tossing of the sea, pestilences, they have always been those. Yes, of course they have. What makes these signs, signs of the end of the age? Like I said, hang on, I'll get to that. But before I get to it, here are the signs. Nation against nation, so ethnic and racial struggles, strife. From uh, here in the United States to um, Indonesia, Uh, racial conflicts are across the earth, through Africa, Hutus against Tutsis, and uh, on and on. Kingdom against kingdom, that is the word basilio or the Latin word basilica which references a particular form of government. So what we're seeing is conflicts between communist governments, totalitarian governments, democratic governments, present conflicts, famines, 
pestilences. That, that is a direct reference to uh, such things as uh, pandemics, plagues, diseases. It's the word L-O-I-M-O-S, loimos. And it literally means disease, pestilence, plague. So there will be those. And earthquakes in various places. Just in, in, in recent times, earthquakes reported in increasing frequencies. And he says, all these are the beginnings of sorrows. Now here is the key to understanding. The question was asked, have we not always had earthquakes? Have we not always had famines? Have we not always had pestilences? Has there not always been conflicts between governmental forms? Have there not always been racial conflicts? Yes, 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 and yes. That's true. What makes these signs? It's this word, sorrows, the beginning of sorrows. There the word is odin, same word as used in 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 3 to 5, where it says, it'll come upon them as birth pangs on a pregnant woman. Beginnings of sorrows, sorrows is the word odin, Odin is the word birth pangs. So, in the time when a woman is giving birth, when her contractions begin, they start about 20 minutes apart and the next series comes about half the time, 10 minutes, twice the intensity. The next series comes also in half the time and twice the intensity of the five minutes until at the point where she's actually giving birth, she cannot hardly pause to, get, to catch her breath. That's what birth pangs look like. So how does this apply to the signs? Well, yes, there have always been earthquakes and so on and so, pestilences, famines, and but it's when they come one on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. So much so that men run out of solutions and their hearts fail them for fear. That's when it's signs of His coming. As we're speaking, we have already seen the occurring and the ongoing of racial conflicts, permanent. On top of that, we're seeing the conflict of governmental forms. One set of conflicts is internal to nations, the other set of conflicts, and maybe even external to nations, but they tend to be primarily racial conflicts within nations. 
We are also observing the tension between nations based upon governmental forms. Russia has a totalitarian form of government. China has a communist form of government. The United States has a representative form of government. And these big picture nations have engaged in economic commerce and competition as much fueled by the inequities inherent in these governmental systems. For example, all the wealth in China is owned by the communist government and they do not have a level playing field when it comes to their ability to manipulate and control everything from trade to currencies to exchanges of every kind. It's not an equal playing field with a nation like the United States where in a democratic form wealth is primarily owned by individuals who look to their governments to level the playing field to, so they could compete with wealth that is controlled and commerce that is controlled by national governments or the Soviet Union or, or, or Russia that has emerged out of the former Soviet Union where one man can dictate how an army is deployed against a neighboring nation without anything resembling congressional or representational due process. It disrupts the order of mankind. We've been dealing with that, with these matters now for quite some time. We also have been dealing with earthquakes or with famines. And in fact, the world is threatened in the present disruption of, of economies with famine. Pestilences. We have a global pandemic right now that has shut down nations. And maybe it took something as visible as that to call our attention to the other things that are as pervasive within the fabric of national life and international trade and commerce as these other things I'm talking about. They've been ongoing now for quite a while. Maybe it took a pestilence that shut down the earth to cause people to look again and to see. Now, while that's going on, we will have earthquakes in an abundance of locations. Already reports are coming from very unlikely places like Utah, like Salt Lake City, Utah. Interestingly, the earthquake there affected the prime symbol of Mormonism, the statue of an angel named Moroni or Moroni with a horn or a trumpet in his hand. It shook the trumpet out of Moroni's hand. If that's not a sign, I don't know what is. But of course people, 
we'll put the trumpet back and pretend nothing happened. That's when people see and don't see. That's when they hear and don't hear and refuse to understand. Earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of sorrows, one upon another, upon another, upon another. The birth pangs, that's what this means. Then, at that time, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now that couldn't possibly apply to just the early apostles because there were nations that weren't even discovered at that time. So it speaks of that broader picture. Jesus is speaking here uh, figuratively. Then many false prophets, oh, and many will be offended that's the word scandalizo. Many will be offended and they will betray and hate one another. Because they're scandalized, they'll demonize even their own brethren and will have no conscience about betraying one another and hating one another in their bid to be relevant and to survive. When they've rejected the true sent ones, they'll they'll gladly receive false prophets because the, the, the market for false prophets is found in the desire for men to hear only what they want to hear and to see only what they want to see. So the false teachers that they'll heap to themselves, which is also referenced in uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, where he says they will not endure the truth, they'll heap to themselves teachers for whatever they lust for, and they'll turn away from the truth and they'll turn to fables. We've got to re-examine every supposition we've heard of regarding the end of the age because much of it is just that, supposition. Suppositions like the rapture, suppositions like the antichrist. Uh, Speaking of things that are meant for metaphorical and figurative references, speaking as if they are domestic. We need to review in light of present scripture who is God's elect in the earth. These are all things that are subject to review, must be reviewed. Otherwise, false teachings will flood the airways and many of these false teachings are simply the traditional teachings. But because they occupy the emotional high ground of tradition, they pretend to actually be what the Bible is saying and what God is speaking. 
and they're not. The concept of the rapture is bogus, it's not biblical. The Antichrist, there's a spirit of Antichrist that is housed in the, what is called the cosmos. But the prime actor behind everything is Satan. The driver of his kingdom is Satan himself. All these things must be revisited and cleared up so that the trumpet gives a certain sound and the people of God can prepare for the battle and know the times that they're in. They'll hate and betray one another. Many false prophets will arise and will deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of most will become cold. A very significant thing. Lawlessness, as I've said before, is not the absence of law. Lawlessness is when every man does what is right in his own eyes. And they will reject and refute the standard of sent ones in order to keep their own opinions, in which opinions they will drown, in which opinions they will perish, because they are not informed by the currency of the Holy Spirit speaking to the body of Christ. The Spirit was sent for exactly that reason to apprise the world of sin, of righteousness, and of coming judgment. And when the Spirit is not allowed to speak in these places through the appointed, selected, designated, trained and prepared sent ones, what you will have is the spirit of lawlessness. Let us understand that democracy, everybody doing what's pleasing to them, is what the Bible defines as the spirit of lawlessness, which will take over at the end of the age. Lawlessness is for those who are perishing. I'll repeat, lawlessness is for those who are perishing. Lawlessness is when the true standards of God's truth and righteousness are set aside, abolished, ignored or even persecuted in favor of your own opinions, often your own traditional opinions. He who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. This is not talking about going to heaven when you die. It'll be vindicated. You'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony and that you refuse to value your own life over the truth. You'll be saved out of the confusion, the deception, the chaos, the disorder, the lawlessness of the day. Your steps will be steady 
because they will be enlightened by the current word of God as a lamp to your feet and a light to your path because you will be able to hear the word of God inasmuch as you will have been trained and prepared and you will have become mature. This gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, there is no reference in all of the scriptures to the gospel of salvation, referencing going to heaven when you die. Please understand, I believe that we go to heaven when we die, but that's not the gospel, it's not the gospel of salvation, it's always been the gospel of the kingdom. Why? Because there are two kingdoms in conflict and deception is the order of one kingdom and the restoration of truth by which men may walk in a time of darkness and walk securely, that's the order of God's kingdom. To that end, in the end of the age, the kingdom of God will be presented as a city on a hill, the Zion of God's perfected beauty. In that city on the hill, and it's not actually a domestically located city on a hill, it's a people group on the earth under the government of God, ruled over by the authority of Christ, administrated through sent ones who rule over households, who the function of which is to develop a mature people who individually may carry the glory of God in exact representation. That was the original gospel. And it'll reach its apogee at the end of the age and become that standard by which all the nations of the earth, every kingdom will be, will be assessed and judged. Now, its rising will be to provide a visible, tangible alternative to the kingdom of darkness that will have arisen in such grotesque manifestation that human life will be constantly endangered and there will be no hope because of the darkness that will have come upon the earth inasmuch as the character of Satan will be that which is borne out in all of its grotesque rudeness, grossness and darkness in the earth. It will reach its apogee in this kingdom, the fourth beast, a systemic kingdom, and I'll talk about that the next time, a systemic kingdom that has constantly been shadowing the kingdom of God, offering an alternative in which men might rely, which if they do will lead to their destruction. And the kingdom of God that is steadily rising, it's been rising and rising and rising, And now in these times, in these dark and difficult times, what God will begin to do is pull back the veil and start revealing a kingdom in which the citizens of the kingdom have come to maturity, varying degrees of maturity, but maturity nonetheless. They can handle the mysteries of the kingdom 
and they can display the glory of God to a generation that is that needs this hope in the most desperate of ways. We began with this point of view, we end with this point of view. Kingdoms in conflict as the age comes to its conclusion. This is Sam Solon and we'll continue these discussions but I'll leave it here for now. There'll be much more to be unveiled in subsequent broadcasts regarding the end of the age. We're speaking with clarity, without compromise and with no apologies. If the trumpet does not give a clear sound, no one can prepare for the battle. Look, it's because of this conspiracy of silence, this supposed professional courtesy that has been routinely extended, that so much of this deception and lies have clouded and darkened the minds of God's people. I cannot be party to it any longer. When I name the names of persons who have done and said the things that they have done and said, you know it's a matter of public record. Why aren't people who have responsible positions speaking plainly to the people of God? It'll be on their heads. But as long as I'm a voice speaking in this earth, God will have a voice by which He may say whatever He wishes to say. So be it.